Welcome to the inaugural episode of Power to People HR podcast with me, your host, Tanya Gibson, a successful, award-winning human resources, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging executive turned unemployed entrepreneur. That's right. If you read my show notes, this is the inaugural episode where Tanya talks. I'm going to tell my truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And so if you have been following me on LinkedIn, you already have an idea about my story. I shared it with those of you who follow me of what it was like uh, in a moment of just sheer frustration to leave my very successful role as the head of a human resources department at a local tech startup. And the reason why I wanted to share my story is because I thought I was alone in that moment. Um, And through a lot of encouragement of friends and colleagues, hopefully some of whom are listening, uh, thank you to those of you who are listening and supporting this podcast, to share with you that after that revelatory moment of feeling alone and feeling like I had failed after making it to the top of such a high paying, prestigious title of a position in human resources to then decide that I'm going to just leave. And I felt like I was throwing it all away that after so many successful other roles and accolades that I hadn't really made it. And I created this podcast because although I do try to journal, this was going to be my moment to have my own HR department. And I realized that I'm not alone. There are others just like me who are faced with that agonizing decision of, do I stay or do I go? And so I thankfully had the courage in that moment to say, I'm not going to take this anymore. The treatment, the environment, the devaluation of my skill, of my opinions, of my voice, of my vision, I'm no longer going to allow myself to be treated that way. And so I decided to leave my job and create my own space. And that's this podcast, that's Power to People, that's my vision, to be able to support other folks like me, maybe some of you who aren't in HR and have always wondered what is it really like to be in HR, to be able to hear our stories, my stories, my experiences, and to hopefully gain some insight into the world of human resources, diversity, equity, and inclusion, but more so just how to treat humans well. And so this will be a place to be transparent, to be vulnerable, and to hear authentic voices and stories around what were we really thinking in HR. This will be a place where you'll be able to ask questions and gain advice. Although I'm not an attorney and can't give you legal advice, I can give you advice from someone who has centered her work in advocating for people. And oftentimes human resources is a misnomer for not advocating for people. And I do want to be honest, there are some bad actors out there in HR and diversity, equity, inclusion who are not in it for the people. But my story is one where I didn't see people who look like me in human resources. I didn't feel like my human resources people when I was applying for jobs were really focused on me. And that was who I didn't want to be. I wanted to be at the center of helping people. And so I'm going to share with you more around my backstory, and then we're going to get to the good stuff where you're going to hear what it was really like to, for the first time in my life, be othered, to really feel like I was being demeaned, mansplained, and just outwardly not accepted and appreciated for who I was. 
And so we're gonna hear that story today. But first I wanna take you back in time for you to get a glimpse of who am I and how did I get to human resources and diversity, equity, inclusion? What is that story like? So I'm gonna tell you now more about me. So from the beginning, I was always someone who thought I was going to be someone important. Uh, I was an overachiever in school, teacher's pet, you know, always the person who needed to get everything perfect and right, straight A student, and even that wasn't good enough. Uh, I found and fell in love with journalism through my love of literature and reading, and I really admired Oprah when I had to do a project in seventh grade, and from that moment, my life was changed. I was going to be Oprah Winfrey for my generation. I joined the journalism news broadcasting uh, TV club in my middle school, and that was my vision. That was my passion, to be the next Oprah for my generation. And I spent all of my formative years throughout high school uh, getting ready and preparing myself to go to a journalism school and be a news broadcaster. And so that's what I did. I ended up getting into a wonderful journalism school at the University of Florida, Go Gators, and I spent my time high achieving. I was going to graduate a whole year early. And when I finally got into my core curriculum of journalism and really started doing the work, I realized I really hated it. And that was probably the first time ever that I felt like a failure, that I hated the thing that I thought I was going to be. And I ended up changing my major. I didn't really know what my major was going to be because remember, for my entire life, I felt I was going to be the next Oprah. And so now what? What am I going to do with the rest of my life? And so I fell back on what was safe, what I had seen in my household, because my grandfather was a teacher. So I could be a teacher, right? And so that's what I did. I majored in education and I ended up trying to become a teacher. And I did. But how did I get into HR is kind of the reason we're here today. And so that was a part of my journey is I couldn't get a job as a teacher right when I graduated in December, because if you've ever tried to be a teacher halfway through a school year, it's kind of tough. And so I ended up getting a part-time gig at first at a local startup in Gainesville. Uh, Shout out to 352. And shout out to Jeff, my first ever boss in the real world, who took a chance on me. I was this young kid. I was going to be his personal assistant slash front desk receptionist while they found someone permanent. And a couple of weeks in, he offered me a full-time gig being the receptionist. And I was like, sure, I can do this. Uh, But I still was applying for jobs as a teacher. It didn't happen right away. And so I took that job just as kind of my fail-safe, just to make money to pay my bills. But during that time, I had a mentor named Linda, who I didn't really know anything about HR at the time, but she was the HR manager and she took me under her wing, asked me to help her with what now I know is employee benefits, helping her with some invoices. And my love and passion for HR just bloomed from there. Linda would ask me to help her with assignments. I even got to learn all about employee relations. And this little black girl, would go up to the CEO and founder and tell him that he couldn't do things. And who did I think I was? I had no idea that all of the things that Linda taught me were going to help me in what would become a very successful career. And I'm so thankful for that experience. 
Uh, thankful for Jeff for never looking at me crazy. Like, who do you think you are, girl, coming and telling me we can't do this in my company that I founded and started? Um, but it was a wonderful experience filled with great people, lots of camaraderie, and that really changed my life. I didn't know what human resources was or what it should look like or how it should be. But because of those experiences with Linda teaching me the way, I kind of liked it. I felt powerful and empowered to be able to make decisions and to manage projects and processes. And so I thought, oh, well, this is great. I could keep doing this. But in the back of my mind, I realized uh, I got a whole degree and uh, my mother is probably not going to be really happy and proud of her daughter who went to a four-year school, got a whole degree, and is a receptionist for the rest of her life. And so after about two years almost, I ended up getting my first teaching job. I taught middle school students language arts, and I loved my kids. I loved most everything about teaching. I won't say it was easy at first or any day, really. There were always challenges, but I loved what I was doing. I loved growing the minds of young people. Now, not everyone is built to be a teacher, and definitely you're not all built to be middle school teachers, but I thrived. I loved it. Um, I loved interacting with my kids and hearing their stories and being able to impart some of my own wisdom on young people. But there was always something nagging in the back of my mind of I'm missing something. And what I realized I was missing was my passion for human resources. And so again, I called my Linda, my mentor and said, Linda, I don't really know what I'm doing. I, I thought this was what I was going to do, but I kind of miss being a 352 and, and working alongside of you. And she helped me. She mentored me. And I said, I'm thinking of maybe getting my MBA, but I'm not really sure. Should I manage? Should I major in HR instead of my MBA? And, and she said, you have to find what's going to be best for you. And I went and I found a school that had an MBA focused in human resources management because I knew that's where I was being guided. And I ended up getting my MBA. Now, short story there, I did get my MBA while still teaching, being a single mom with a toddler at home, and again, overachiever Tanya. I couldn't just do it in two years. No, 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 I couldn't wait. Impatience <laughs> hit me. I ended up doing my MBA and getting it in one year. So once again, that overachiever mindset of wanting to do something quickly happened. And so I got my MBA while teaching. And I finally, after a little time of searching for that job, got a job uh, in human resources. And I was so excited. I still remember getting that phone call from the recruiter that they were offering me this job. Um, and I had to pull over because I was so excited that someone believed in me uh, and was giving me a chance. So I took that job and my HR career took off from there. I had several more jobs in human resources after my initial human resources job. And all of them had their ups and downs. Being in HR is not for the faint of heart. Uh, I had great mentors along the way, all strong women leaders in my early HR career. And I thank each one of those leaders because they helped me to kind of see the guiding light. I had a wonderful boss, Jennifer, who would remind me, Tanya, eat the frog. Do the thing that's hard first because it'll get it out of the way. 
And I thank Jennifer so much for that because I definitely had to eat the frog a lot <laughs> um, because there are times in HR when you are just met with things that you would never imagine. So this podcast will talk about those stories. But for this episode, I specifically wanted to share kind of the time where I had to eat the frog when I didn't really want to. I was in such a high paid job as the leader and the executive, but it was the worst experience of my HR career. Now, I hope I never have to say that is not going to be the worst, but thus far, this is all I've got. This is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I'd finally made it, or so I thought, uh, to the top of the food chain, leading an organization in people ops, really for the second time. But this was my opportunity. I was able to come into an organization, be recruited by this leader to help something that I had found success in in every other position I'd held up to this time. And I was so excited about it. I was led to believe that this was going to be my opportunity to impart DEI initiatives, to really sophisticate and mature the people operations in this organization and to build a foundation and mentor other young HR professionals. And I was so excited at this opportunity, but it was all a facade. I quickly learned even before my first day that I was going to be losing a staff member. I didn't have this financial stability of this company that I was led to believe they were in fact not doing as well as I had thought. And so I was already devastated. So that was my first what we call pink flag, but I ignored it. I persevered because I'm the overachiever. I've been helping people in HR all along. I, I can do this, right? Or so I thought. By the time I got there, I was already met with folks who did not like me, who were not excited that I was here because the person that was in my position before was well-liked and I was enemy number one. Any and everything I did or said was taken out of context, was misconstrued, and I couldn't understand why I had just gotten here. I, I was trying to learn and understand the culture and, you know, rah, rah, rah with the team, and no one seemed to like me or care that I was here. And they definitely did not care to listen to any of my ideas. My voice, my vision, my value, my passion was non-existent. Matter of fact, I was demeaned, devalued, and oftentimes just straight up mansplained to in meetings, overtalked, and not a part of any team. But I persevered because I'd experienced similar kinds of things early on in my HR career, right? Who does this person think they are? Specifically, who does this black woman think she is coming in and telling me what to do? Now, I'm a podcaster, you can't see me, but that's how I identify as a cisgender black woman. And oftentimes in human resources, I was the only black person. Oftentimes in meetings or situations where I had to handle and solve, I was the only woman, much less black woman, having to solve problems, interpret policies, resolve issues for folks, and be the fixer, and then be well-liked and trusted. But I had been so successful for years at doing that, going into those situations where I was oftentimes seen as the outsider and being able to build bridges, understand people for who they are, treat them as human beings. But in this situation, that was not my experience. 
Now, I won't say everything was bad about this job. There were wonderful people who gave me some sage, confidential advice and information that really helped me to understand what I was dealing with. And so I thought, well, I can overcome these things because no one's inherently bad. And there's a lot more complexity to what's going on. I was brought here to help. And so that's what I'll do. But I learned that it wasn't just, you know, a couple of people. It was my leadership. My leadership was, in fact, not helping me at all. They were not supporting me at all. And at every turn when I tried to communicate and be open and honest and transparent, all the things I was told that this culture welcomed and affirmed with open arms, I was met with no's. I was met with I'm not being supportive. I was met with just outward disdain. I didn't have anyone. I didn't have a sounding board. I didn't have a peer who truly understood what I was going through and what I was facing. And that's when I realized, wow, where does HR go when HR needs HR? Kind of a conundrum, right? That's why I created Power to People. But I didn't have language for it at the time. I started having physical issues, mental health breakdowns, and I didn't have language for it. I didn't have any cause or effect answers. I just knew I felt horrible every day. I felt like I was lying to myself, that I had lost my way. I questioned my sanity. I questioned my capability. All of the things that now looking back, I know are not true. But at the time, living in that moment, I felt in the depths of despair. I suffered from depressive moments, moments of thinking I was not good enough, imposter syndrome, all these phrases that we hear about, but I just felt alone. And I felt like I had no alternative. I mean, why would you want to work in this kind of environment? And as the leader of human resources, even more so, how can the leader of human resources feel like this? What what would my workforce feel like if I'm feeling like this, if I'm receiving this kind of criticism from my leadership, from the people who are supposed to be my support system, the people that work alongside of me so we can get things done and make an impact and a change? You know, I was so frustrated and annoyed that I had allowed myself to feel like I was less than, that I was the other, that I stayed trying to fix it because that's what I had always done and been so successful at doing it. But I couldn't do it for myself. After so many pink flags, I kind of had a breakthrough, (laughs) a moment of like, you don't have to take this. This is not worth it. Sure, the paycheck is great. I mean, I'll tell you, power peeps, the paycheck was amazing. But was it worth me going against my ethical code, my morals, my integrity, just for the sake of collecting money? No, it wasn't. So after a lot of painstaking thinking, I decided to leave. That's right. One evening I just said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not taking this anymore. I quit. Now, if you know me personally, you know that is the last thing you would expect from me. 
I would have been planning, having a checklist, having three and four backup plans ready to go. Now, that's the norm for me. But I was so over the mistreatment, the toxicity, the misogyny, the inequity. I couldn't take it anymore. It was no longer worth it. I wasn't going to devalue myself. And I definitely wasn't going to sit and lie to the people that I'm supposed to be there to advocate on behalf. And so I left. Now, I had, you know, a couple of interested companies looking my way. But I realized I needed to take a break for me. I needed to find my center again. Because at the end of the day, being in human resources is about humans. And I had been dehumanized for way too long. I had been tokenized for my entire time there. And I was mad at myself for allowing that to be my truth. I should have left my second week on the job when I watched two leaders in a large group setting go at it for longer than they should have gone on and continue offline and come back to a meeting virtually and act as if, well, that's okay. The way we just spoke to each other and treated each other. Yeah, that wasn't right. But you know, that's kind of the culture that we have here. And it persisted that way for months on end. Similar kinds of behavior would be reported to me and I could do nothing. I was outwardly told there's nothing you're going to do because there's not a problem here. No one ever told me I was the problem, but I could definitely tell. You can read between the lines. When you speak up, Tanya, you're spoken at. Every time you try and fix a problem, no, 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 there's nothing to fix here. That's how I felt every day. And so I grew into a shell of a person who no longer felt like they were human resources. They definitely weren't going to be a DEI advocate and there was nothing that I could do about it. So Power to People HR is my journey of rediscovery. It's centering myself again and making sure that there's a place for folks like me, HR practitioners who don't have an HR department. Sure, we have lots of associations, we have, you know, groups, but that's not real. Those aren't places where you can be your authentic self, where you can really have voice and choice. And that's what I needed. So I created the space that I didn't feel I had. Power to People HR Consulting is my company as an unemployed entrepreneur, a place where I can help small and medium-sized businesses have some kind of HR when HR doesn't have a place to go. This podcast and whatever will be the second iteration of this podcast is my comfort zone. It's the safe space that I always wanted and needed as I was going through the worst career experience of my life as a leader. I'm proud of myself for taking that leap of faith and investing in me and trusting in my skill, creating something out of nothing. I never thought I would have a company. I never thought I'd create something for someone other than some large gargantuan corporate entity or founder of a company. I never felt that I was good enough to lead in that way. But after my experience, I recognized if they can do it, I surely can do it. 
And so I created this podcast to tell myself that you're worthy. And for HR folks and DEI folks that are constantly feeling like you don't have a place, that you don't have the ability to share what's really going on, this is the space. So in future episodes, I'll share stories of what was I thinking when that happened. Um, I'll be able to answer your questions and give you advice. But this first episode was for, for me to share a little of my story of how I got to be a successful HR and DEI executive and unemployed entrepreneur. Thank you for listening. Take care for now, power peeps. Until the next episode.